Hey everybody, it's Brentley, and today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to try to wrap it up really quickly so you guys don't have to listen to me drone on. And I want to talk about academia, some changes that are happening in the academic spaces. Uh, so I'm going to open it with Mark Crispin Miller. Mark Crispin Miller, if you aren't aware, is a uh, professor at NYU, and he was teaching a class on propaganda, and he wanted to use a current events topic. And so he encouraged his students to seek out and read the science on the efficacy of wearing a mask for respiratory virus transmission. And that triggered a couple of his students. One took to Twitter to express her fury and uh, others complained to other professors. And eventually it became this whole thing where people were lying about him, lying about what he had said, misrepresenting his entire perspective in order to paint him as some sort of right wing caricature, which he absolutely was not. And now he's actually suing because his colleagues in the same NYU school as him had written a letter where they sort of took the uh, things that these kids were saying believed them whole cloth without even having a conversation with him and sort of regurgitating them as if they were true. So saying things like he encourages kids, you know, to not wear masks and which, which is absolutely not true. He never said that, uh, just to give you one example. So there's this petition, uh, you can find out about the whole story. I'll post a link in the description, of course, but it's at change.org. He's under attack. He needs support for academic freedom very close to getting the 35,000 signatures that they are after. He's only about 553 away. So uh, that leads me into what else is happening in academia? Well, I saw this viral letter of a dad who wrote a scathing letter about Brearley. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Brearley? 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 About race focus. Someone had to, he said, this is Andrew Gutman. And originally there was an article that came up on Barry Weiss's blog on Substack, so I was going to go here. But if you don't know about Brearley, their tuition is 54000 a year, and prospective families have to take an anti-racism pledge to be considered for admission. Um, and he, this guy, Andrew Gutman, ended up pulling his daughter out of the school, which he had been in since kindergarten, because he was just sick and tired of this whole diversity, inclusion, uh, equity shtick. And it's it's become a new sort of cult attitude and it's really infectious and it's really in our schools and it's everywhere. He says, quote, if Brearley's administration was truly concerned about so-called equity, it would be discussing the sensation of admissions preferences for legacies, siblings. Legacies are basically like if your parents went there, uh, siblings and those families with especially deep pockets. The administration was genuinely serious about diversity. It would not insist on the indoctrination of its students and their families to a single mindset most reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. So again, a link will be in the description. You can read the whole thing below. He says stuff like, I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudge others by theirs. By viewing every element of education, every aspect of history, every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race, we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believe, fought, and died. So... 
This was at, uh, this is how he felt at a private school, a very expensive private school in Manhattan. Uh, nonetheless, this is everywhere. You know, th this is an article from The Atlantic. It's from earlier in the month, April 3rd. The narrative is you can't get ahead. In Evanston, Illinois, a black parent and school board candidate takes on a curriculum meant to combat racism. So again, this is something we'll see again and again, folks. These, these people call it anti-racism. They call it critical race theory. But is neither anti-racist nor is there, it, can it tolerate any sort of criticism. Immediately when you criticize critical race theory, they come back at you with, oh, well, you're just a this or you're just a that or you're actually racist. And it, the, uh, the actual argument is like, no, you're pushing racism. You're warping the definitions of these terms and you're using it and you're targeting that kind of stuff at children. Uh, Nadona Moboyaye wants to improve the education that public school children, including her son and daughter, receive in Evanston, Illinois, where her mother's family history goes back for five generations. Um, she comes out basically against this anti-racist agenda. You know, her children were coming home and telling her things like, well, we can't get ahead because of the color of our skin. And she's a business owner. She's successful. She's running for school board. You know, she, her husband is, is an immigrant from uh, the People's Republic, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. And she objects to this whole Black Lives Matter narrative, this whole racial diversity, inclusiveness, anti-racism, critical race agenda. And she found it very... Uh, insulting because she grew up there in Evanston, Illinois. And when she lived in Toronto and, and had her small children and then moved back, she was excited because she felt it was a very safe place for women of color, for people of color to grow up and to live. And she thought she got a good education there in the public school system, but it's changed. Um, and she goes into it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but again, a link will be in the description. This just goes to show folks this stuff is everywhere. And if you haven't been paying attention to Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Christopher Rufo, uh, he's got his websites, ChristopherRufo.com. He's got a series of articles where he goes into this. He's been, I've been following him on Twitter for a while. You can find him there as well. And he has so many things. Uh, this one from February, uh, Gone Crazy, New York City Public School Principal Calls on White Parents to Subvert White Authority. See, this is just kind of how nuts things are. New York East Side Community Schools recently sent a letter encouraging white parents to become, quote, white traitors and to advocate for, quote, white abolition. The message sent by Principal Mark Fetterman showed a graphic outlining eight stages of white identity development from the lowest form, white supremacist, to intermediate forms of white confessional and white traitor to the highest form, white abolitionist. The goal of this process, according to the graphics creator, Northwestern University professor Barnor Hess, is to challenge the, the regime of whiteness and eventually to, quote, subvert white authority and to, quote, not allow whiteness to reassert itself. So again, we see this boogeyman of whiteness, folks. Who knows what that is? They, people refuse to define it. And until they refuse to define it, I'm just going to assume that they're talking about white people and, you know, Eurocentric culture from which, you know, things like our First Amendment and our, our, our tolerance for diversity those are all derivatives of our European culture and our background as Europeans. So say what you want about whiteness, but whiteness is like the thing that has led us to have a country here. You know, it's, it's what we came from. We came from Europe and you can say there's good and there's bad about that. You know, some of the good things 
is that we have women's rights. We tolerate, you know, gay people, LGBT people. There is, there's so much tolerance in the Western world today. And, you know, you just look at places like China and how they treat the Muslim population. Look at places like Saudi Arabia and how they treat their women. You know, these, or even India and Pakistan, you know, in India, there's a literal caste system. So when people tell me that the United States is this like, terribly racist and institutional thing it like it doesn't make any sense and it, it just seems like a power grab to me um so he goes on about this letter that this guy wrote to parents he went on a tirade against white conservatives arguing that racism and hate is often the underlying cause fueling their beliefs and see this is where that they jump to call you racist simply because you do not agree with them simply because you have a diverse perspective from them because you are tolerant of other ideas it's just so backward and strange. He denounced former President Donald Trump as, quote, lying, racist, sexist, classist, hasteful, science-denying bully, and then described, described Trump supporters who attended the president's January 6th rally as, quote, a crowd of white supremacists. Fetterman's latest outburst came as no surprise, said one parent of children who no longer attend the school, the parent who requested anonymity, said that Fetterman had pushed diverse, uh, a divisive, progressive line, quote-unquote, to students and families. And he goes on here to say that the language in Fetterman's letter carries disturbing historical echoes. The Ku Klux Klan and neo-Nazis used the term race traitor to describe whites who crossed the color line to work, marry, or associate with non-whites. The letter's use of white abolition is also troubling. Fetterman and Hess claim to want to abolish whiteness as a cultural and social construct, but they also use the term to describe an immutable racial essence. As University of New Mexico professor Geoffrey Miller has observed, applied to any other group, this would sound like a monstrous euphemism for mass extermination and cultural annihilation. So, and he has another piece uh, called Merchants of Resolution. And this one is a little bit more recent, it's from April 13th. It's about in California and they're, how they're training children in Marxist theory to like, I guess, overthrow. Like they aren't even like educating kids anymore in California, they're, they're just, you know, programming them to be little Marxist revolutionaries so that they can buck the system and, you know, cause more problems, more riots, which then the establishment will lovingly come in with their, their wonderful solutions that include social credit scores, you know, all this stuff, you know, UBI, which they'll t maybe tie to some sort of medical intervention of, of potentially disastrous consequences. But we have to tread carefully because you can't really talk about those things here on YouTube, folks. Anyway, Mark, or I don't know why I keep doing that, Christopher Rufo. Christopher Rufo has many more pieces on his website. I highly encourage you to peruse them if any of them seem to tickle your fancy. Revenge of the Gods, I thought was particularly interesting from March 10th. California's proposed ethnic studies curriculum urges students to chant to the Aztec deity of human sacrifice. I am not kidding. <laughs> So, and this one's good. Racism in the cradle. Arizona Department of Education claims that babies develop the first signs of racism at three months old. So any folks, I just wanted to keep it short today. Just give you a little, you know, a little view. We're going to talk about these things more in depth on dangerous rhetoric uh, later in the week. And I hope you will tune into that. If you haven't checked out the podcast yet, it's Dangerous Rhetoric Pod. You can find it here on YouTube. And then we also have uh, more spicy episodes over on Rumble where we say things that YouTube does not allow you to say. So I'll leave it there, folks. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share if you dare. Share if you are so bold. It really helps the channel grow. It's the only way I grow. So I will be back again soon with another video. And let me know what you think about this new sort of short, brief 
quick little delve into a topic that encourages you, the, the viewer, to actually go and do more reading on your own. I don't want to sit here and just kind of like tell you what to think because I'm not the media and I, I don't have any particular qualifications. But I think it, it, I, this new format should be interesting just to see if people like it or not. And also let me know what you think of my little intro. You know, I had some, some commentary. Shout out to... Uh, Shout out to Magnan Imus, who commented, who told me to ditch the intro and said it was obnoxious and does nothing. He wanted me to tighten it up, so I'm trying to tighten it up. Uh, my audio equipment's pretty good. Maybe the, uh, the problem was inconsistent volume on that video. But hopefully, you know, this is, I do read comments. I appreciate your constructive criticism. And uh, yeah, I'll be back again soon with another video. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.